difficult, 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 in the Zoom box. Yes. Uh, hello, I'm Marie. I'm Katie, and this is the Difficult Women Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I'm in Nashville. Katie's in Brooklyn. We're in a box in the computer. The Zoom We're Missing box. each other terribly. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so over-Zooming. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> this is awful. This has gotten awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's been gotten, awful, but it's... If I have to go to another fucking happy hour and pretend that I'm happy... <laughs> I'm not even getting invited to happy hours. <laughs> I'm not even doing that. <laughs> so, Katie, oh, we God. should do a happy hour. Should well, we, we do. We do. Yeah, this is our happy hour. Our, That's our true. Bond. I'm very happy. I have my. You have your tea. I have my coffee. Let's take a sip. It's early. That was some oh, ASMR for you. Yeah. yeah. Um. How are you? I'm checking in. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. A lot of work, a lot of doing stuff. I went on a very, very long journey recently to the great state of uh, Connecticut. That was as far as as I've gone so far. Connecticut? Oh, yes. Um, Why did you go to Connecticut? I'm shooting a pilot for this family. There's this lovely little... family the girl was in on broadway one of the girls was on broadway and they want to have a pilot to show so they can kind of pitch the the girls and stuff which i think is great and i get to shoot it but it's very stressful i'm very stressed (laughs) oh my god that's so cool yeah it's been neat but um so i get so but they were shooting in connecticut uh because there's more space and stuff and that's exciting to leave the, the state of new york i've done it i did it on wednesday doing it again Monday, Tuesday. You get hop on a choo-choo train? Nope. I got, Are you taking I a bus? Ubered. I literally Ubered to Connecticut. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I didn't pay for it. So. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. I was legitimately worried because I thought that no one's going to drive me to Connecticut. Like that's, that doesn't, did they do that? Do people do that? Oh, I looked it up and Uber, They. I think the 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 maximum you can ride in an Uber is four hours. So however far four hours will take you, there you're allowed to request a trip that's four hours. So long. you just requested an Uber to Connecticut. Yeah. And but that's like, not hey. even like Yeah. And in theory, they could have been like, How three more hours to go. Where else do you want to go? We could have gone wow. to pet Philadelphia. I don't know. Could have gone anywhere. <laughs> whatever. Not anywhere, but whatever four hours would take you. Wow. I didn't know you could do that. That's I didn't cool. either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel I I, I presume as an Uber driver, you can choose whether or not you're willing to go on one of those big trips. But, mm-hmm. and I guess you just like I don't know what you do four hours. Let's say you t- let's say you're an Uber driver and you pick someone up and they take them to I don't know Pennsylvania. How, can you get how? Wh- I mean, so yeah, you make a chunk of change for that day, right? In those four hours, but then you got to get back. So, in theory, you can bring people back, but I always think like, God, you're going to get stuck in Pennsylvania. People are going to keep wanting to stay in Pennsylvania, and you're going to Uber around this town you don't know anything about. Good point. However, and you're stuck in Pennsylvania for the rest of your life. That's what I. Well, feel the like cool thing happens. about Uber is you're you are your own boss, so you can turn that thing off and drive back home. <laughs> yeah, it's just like four. That's a four hour drive alone. In your car. That's true. You're not making any money. But, wow. Well, congratulations you know. on Connecticut. <laughs> Thanks. It's it's the tropical paradise I've always dreamed of, for sure. We yeah, we got to get you a vacay. 
Oh, God. Definitely. Yeah. I need to get, I got to get shot up. I need to get my shot. Everybody's I know. I shot. want, I want the shot. How, what's New York? What's the status there? I don't, who, do we even have any? I don't know. It feels like, it feels like simultaneously everybody's getting it and nobody's getting it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's people that are getting it. I'm like, I don't know how you got it. But then there's That's people how. that like should definitely have it that haven't been able to get it. I know this woman, uh, or I met this woman yesterday when I was uh, at work and she was like, she was like 63 or something. Mm. So she doesn't qualify, but she like could definitely use it. You know what I mean? Like she's, mm-hmm. that must be the most frustrating when you're just mm-hmm. like, I'm 64 and a half. Can I get it? And they're like, nope. So yeah, that, and I mean, it is what it is, right? We only have so many, I get why it is that way. I did get put on a list. Um, Cause I guess even in New York, they're just throwing extra away. Right. That's they're happening just throwing here in Tennessee. It away mm-hmm. so there's a list now um for like at the end you know if they have extras they're like pooling it together i don't know what they do with it um <laughs> they mix up all three of them and then they put them in a yeah. little bottle and they shoot oh, them in. but I, whatever i'll take it i turned into like a mutant but that's fine well apparently here in tennessee you can they're doing it now like at the pharmacies and the and kroger and all that sort of stuff and you go online and you can it'll ask you What's your occupation? And if you qualify, you can make an appointment very easily. I've heard through the grapevine, they're not checking at all. So people are oh. just saying they're teachers or saying they're this, and then they go and get it. And there's no judgment from me right now, but you guys, I'm again, just, I mean, we got to wait your turn. <laughs> I don't know. As a podcast producer, editor who sits in my apartment alone, like, I'm, I mean, I really want the vaccine so I can go to a dive bar. <laughs> Right. That's not a good enough reason to like skip the line personally. That's just me. Well, and but I'm like, I'm I'm a big advocate for like everybody needs it anyway. So I'm yes. like whatever. So if okay, they're throwing fine. them away, but yeah, that's the thing. We gotta it's get like, on it. Yeah, I feel I'm also not like trying to lie about it. I'm, I know, you know I don't want to lie about out it. of line and stuff because if you know I, the only other thing is like if in Tennessee there's so much of it because no one's taking there, it. Mm-hmm then fly i don't care you know what i mean then there's a part yeah. of me it's like well if no one's taking it and we you know then somebody should take well, it well the outer should... counties only 30 percent of the population are taking this vaccine so there is there is a huge surplus so like we, we got to figure something out yeah we got to figure something out because there's definitely, we're I've just been, wasting i've been talking to some people in new york that are skeptical about it still which sort of surprised me but um I'm trying to just very gently nudge everyone in the direction of the vaccine saying like, I totally hear you. We had a we had a podcast about it. If you if you are one of those people that's listening right now and unsure, we did uh, like a debunking episode of the podcast on the vaccine and why it's actually very, very safe. So mm-hmm. um, that's just what get I'm it. telling people. Yeah. And hustle to get it. Like, I mean, or at least I'm trying to hustle. Like I'm trying to find a way to get it now uh in the right way where there's a place that they have a surplus and that like they would throw it away if if you know i wasn't there to like just get just give it to me please i'm ready my parents so actually my parents got their second shot about two weeks ago we went out to a patio on friday night and partied it up oh my god nice it was so fun we were drinking all these cocktails my dad goes why haven't i had this old this he held up an (laughs) old-fashioned it's like where has this been all my life (laughs) very funny uh but we had a really we celebrated the fact that i didn't kill them this whole time that's amazing congratulations thank you yeah you know moving moving through the pandemic with seeing you know my high-risk parents this whole time has been 
I did it. I we we did it. Kind of. Yay. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Um. So let's go to a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Cut to commercial. <laughs> Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter offer code HORIO at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies. Ooh. Plus, free shipping. That's Horio, W-H-O-R-E-O, Horio at adamandeve.com. Welcome back. Yes. So uh, what we're going to be doing this whole month, because it is Women's History Month, each week we are going to get into some women's history. And today we're very excited to talk about Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Who are these lovely ladies, you might be asking? (laughs) Well, let us tell you. The truth is, I really think that these two women should be taught in history classes. They should be taught in, in, you know, in all high school classes because they're instrumental to the gay rights movement, um, specifically in New York City, especially during the Stonewall riots. So let's get into it. Yes. So these lovely ladies were both gay liberation and transgender rights activists. And they were active from around in like the 70s time period um, all the way through to their deaths. And we're very I mean, I was actually very surprised and taken by how um, much they accomplished considering, Mm -hmm. you know, like I know we still have long ways to go for uh, gay and transgender rights, but um, at that in the seventies, especially, she you know they really made an impact um, on. Uh, they they specifically started this this group called Star, which was the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, and it was dedicated to helping homeless young um, drag queens, gay youth, and trans women, um, and like just that. I mean, just something like that. There was sort of like a grassroots effort on their part mm-hmm. that I think helps so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I feel I think I feel very inspired by these ladies just because like they made changes where they could and they were very effective changes mm-hmm. in terms of like helping people actively. Right. Well, so to, to dive into uh, both of these women's lives um, and I know my I've I've learned about these people because um, I actually produced and edited a full series on them a couple months ago for the Oldest Profession podcast, which is a history podcast. So we we actually did three parts about them. And actually, I was I had the the honor and pleasure of pulling raw audio from these women. Mm-hmm. So um, if ever you have a chance to Google some of their speeches and things, they really I mean, they were performers. They were um they they really you know uh, could speak to the movement and inspired people by what they were saying, and um, and they were saints. Like both of these women, they they knew their neighbors and they cared for their neighbors and their community. And they um, the biggest thing about Star is like these queer youth. You know they possibly would come out to their families and then be you know kicked out. <laughs> you know, turned to the street. And so these young kids were homeless for, for 
you know, coming out to their families and they didn't have anywhere to go. They would die on the streets if it hadn't have been for these women. So they came to the East Village and they actually had a house in the East Village that provided a home for these otherwise homeless kids. So um, I just I'm really inspired by them with how many lives they saved um, and how hard that they fought to save their own. Too. Well, that was the thing too like when i was looking at sylvia rivera um she her father left when she was a baby mm-hmm. her mother was suicidal and killed herself when she was three mm-hmm. she was raised by her grandmother and then who who t- was very her grandmother was very difficult on her because she was very effeminate at a young age and her grandmother just disapproved and eventually Sylvia left the house and was a child prostitute at 11 Mm. and that's like how she started her life so she she really lived this so she knew the struggles of these kids that were getting discarded by their parents because Mm -hmm. of their identity right you know I mean I can't imagine Mm -mm. throwing my kids away because because they have a preference for, you know, not a preference, but they, you know, their sexual preference is different than what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who cares? <laughs> it's incredible. Well, the same thing with Martha, Marsha P. Johnson. Um, she was born uh, Malcolm uh, Michaels Jr. Um, and uh, obviously we know her as Marsha P. Johnson and the P stands for pay it no mind. She would go to court because <laughs> she was arrested so many times and she'd go to court and say, pay it no mind. Um but she was known to have been dressing up in, in drag or dresses as early as five years old and being completely ridiculed by the neighbors and even by her family. But like knowing your, you know, obviously we're cis white women, like we don't know what that experience is like at all. Mm-hmm. However, you know, you read these stories and you try to, you know, empathize with that and like knowing, like, you know, being born in a different body than what you associate with or whatever like I I just I cannot imagine that experience and um, it takes so much bravery to do what these people did so they did so they they were kicked out from their families and um, and I mean I think that it's pretty cool that New York City is known for this type of hub of different types of people or misfits or you know whatever but especially um and I also learned like during this time Paris was doing the same and Berlin like this stuff was happening all over the world but in these big cities um you know people that were thrown out of their homes and they were homeless they would then go to to New York City say and then in Harlem specifically and like y- you would then be able to choose your family and so Marsha P Johnson and Sylvia Rivera found each other and they really i mean till the end they were family and but like you were saying like they were they lived on the streets they were hustlers they sold sex to survive because they had no other means, you know? And I think the cool thing about um, Marsha P. Johnson is that she, she was just, I mean, they said that she was saint-like because for every, she really embraced like saving her community and feeding people who could not feed themselves. So like with little money she actually did make from hustling, she would usually do it to buy food for other people and just constantly be giving back. And with that mentality of, of, I mean, there's 
her life, like just the ridicule she experienced as a child. And then I think, I believe that there is a sexual assault instance in her childhood as well. And then the ridicule and stuff that she experienced when she first came to New York and continued on from the police and the moral squads and all that sort of stuff to still have that like fiber in her to help another human being. That was like one of the things that I was the most taken with um, when I was looking at this stuff. And I watched this little, it was like a kind of a very 90s, like low quality documentary style video about uh sylvia rivera and uh same thing like Mm -hmm. i just couldn't believe that this woman who had been beaten down by the world so brutally in Mm -hmm. so many ways and had so many challenges she struggled with alcoholism and drug use and all sorts of you know substance abuse she'd been living on the street she had she had been living in a house at one point and then was back on the street and living on the piers area um like on the street again at you know later in her life when you think like oh she should have it together by then it's like no she didn't have opportunities to get it together or whatever and this person she just devoted her life to helping other people and it makes you go what are all of us doing right what are we doing with our lives (laughs) because and like you said the the it's like a family thing it's like I don't I think when you've gone when you have so little when you mm-hmm. and this is like almost a blessing in a weird way, I think. Like when mm-hmm. you have so little, you start to really realize like all people have are is each other, really. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. that really matters. So then I think that 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 just ignites something in some people that are angels, like you're saying, who can see it so clearly. Mm-hmm. We are nothing without each other, and so why wouldn't you help these people? Why? W- and if you've seen it firsthand and you're living around, you know, around it's around you all the time. You know, I just, I I don't know. Yeah, I think you hit something really on the nose by saying like these women had nothing to lose because here they're they're hustlers. They're living on the streets. And at this point, um, you know, the Stonewall Inn was a gay bar. And so actually like, you know, there would be like men from Long Island with families coming and having cocktails and stuff. And then going back because they would actually those types of people would have everything to lose Mm -hmm. but sylvia rivera and marsha p johnson they were living on the streets they were fighting for gay rights they you know but because they had nothing literally nothing to lose and so the night of i believe it was june 28th 1969 um was the the beginning of the stonewall riots and The story goes that she, you know, there was another, there was a raid at the Stonewall Inn and this happened about once a month. Um, It was owned by the mafia and the mafia was, um, were the owners of the Stonewall were known to like pay off the police. But this one particular night, like they came out full force, um, raided the Stonewall. um, And story goes that Marsha P. Johnson was in there and she threw a shot glass against the mirror and it was the shot glass heard around the world sort of thing. So that's one theory. There's another theory that she was sleeping on a park bench up the street, you know, or. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. There was there's a really interesting like uh, article slash video on in the I think it was the Washington Post that dives into this story this legend and like mm-hmm. the, the yes all of that is part of the legend the other the whole like kind of like the, the the sound clip that you people think of when they think of stonewall is um 
that uh, it was the gay rights. This is the, the clip that the, 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 the quote that they used. The, clay, the gay rights movement was born in 1969 at a beloved gay bar called the Stonewall Inn. The Stonewall riot began when a drag queen bereft by the death of Judy Garland threw a brick at a police officer. The riot culminated in a rocket style kick line of drag queens facing down tactical police in riot gear. Then they like go through this process of like taking this apart and saying, well, is this true? Is any of this true? I found this fascinating because this is exactly the story that I know about Stonewall in that it's Mm -hmm. like the beginning of the movement and that like, you know, all of this stuff, someone threw a brick at a police. It was a drag queen. So, when they broke it down, they were saying that, number one, the gay rights movement did not begin in 1969. <laughs> no. It did not begin. It's, there had been a, a gay rights movement happening long before, it, you know, as long as there were, I mean, into the 1800s and stuff, people had been fighting for some of their rights to, you know, be who they are. So that was the first thing. And then what I, I like what you said about the Stonewall Inn being this like mafia run place. They were saying uh, that it, this beloved gay bar was like their favorite bar of all the gays was Stonewall Inn. No, it wasn't. It was just a place you could go because some places you just couldn't go. Uh, but there was a there's a, all these gay gentlemen that are sort of listing all the places they preferred to go in Manhattan <laughs> instead of the Stonewall Inn at that time. They're like, this place was way better. This place is way better. It just was the one where stuff went down. It was just mm. the one that day. Um, and then the, the the glass thing is interesting. The, the brick thing is interesting um, because Mar- there's an audio of Marsha uh, P. Johnson saying herself, I wasn't I didn't throw it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we know that it wasn't her because she said it wasn't her. She and then sometimes she said she it was, but she she I guess admit, admitted at some point like I it wasn't me. I was actually uptown when mm-hmm. it started, and mm-hmm. she didn't get there until two p two a.m. Mm-hmm. She was there, but it wasn't right. until later. So that's they've sort of debunked that. Then it was sort of a question: Well, who then threw the first? Was there a brick? And it was, and they were like discussing like there weren't any bricks. There was what brick were they throwing? There were some rocks. He was like, I think I threw a rock. There was like a small rock. And then it was like, oh, a shotgun. Who did someone throw a shotgun? I also heard that um, Mar- uh, that uh, Sylvia Rivera very much wanted to be a part of this story, but she was like seventeen when it happened, and. Uh, it's like very unclear if she was even there that night at all. And a lot of people say she was not there. But she'd be like, I was there. I threw the first break because she just wanted to be included in the story. And I thought that she had a, I mean, you know, because who doesn't like to, you know, be talked about or whatever. But also I thought she made a kind of a good point. She was like, I just want, will you write me into this story? Because I want people who look like me to feel represented in that mm. story of the, you know, the gay rights movement. Um, and I guess like they did sort of write her into some of the like, biographies of the Stonewall in situation Mm -hmm. Um, but but by most accounts she wasn't there at all but that sort of you know that's another thing it's like what's what really happened it sounds like it was a a rowdy couple of days if we don't know exactly what happened you know there's another theory where like Marsha P. Johnson like scurried up a lamp pole and then dropped a brick from up a lamp pole onto a police car Yeah, you know I mean it's like but this and is like history is so cool. Yeah. Well, and it's why it's like you can't take anything at face value because, you know, what what actually happened, what didn't. Mostly it's like 
you know, it can become like lore. And if it like motivates you to fight for rights and like that's not all bad. But one of the parts of the story that's like is kind of damaging is that um, that part where uh, the, you know, the drag queen, the riot started because a drag queen threw a brick at a police officer because of the death of Judy Garland. Like that's like kind of weirdly stereotypical and like questionable, right? Well, Judy Garland had died like that day or the day before or something very, very close to that time. And it this had nothing to do with Judy Garland's death. But apparently that part of the story, you can t- trace us back to uh, a conservative um, like reporter who was making fun of the mm. gay rights activists and just making fun. It's like, oh, what? You were sad about Judy Garland. So you started, a, you know, started this riot. So that mm. is, I think, a very telling thing. Also, the word riot. Um a lot mm-hmm. of people that were there were also saying like it was a celebration. It was like oh, it was a rebellion. This guy was like saying I think the word rebellion is a better word because it was more of like an inner rebellion to this to people sort of like crushing us. And then I think the police sort of took it to the next level as they do, right? As mm-hmm. we saw this summer, right? Where they say oh the riots this summer for um, for um, George Floyd protests. And it's like I, they weren't riots. They were people protesting. Right. And then the police come in and make it violent. So mm. it, I think a similar thing happened that night. So the word riot itself is sort of like a questionable word to use for that night because people weren't necessarily rioting. They were the, they were speaking out against what was unfair mm-hmm. treatment. Well, also, I mean, so when the police, you know, raided Stonewall that evening, you know, they then they were then doing genital checks, which they did quite often and that was to just make sure that your gender matched your outer That's you know so whatever up. you were isn't that but that then that took for hours to do and so they were doing all these genital checks but then so many hundreds of people showed up there were police officers trapped in Stonewall with a reporter too, actually. Mm. And that's how we have more. I don't know <laughs> if that reporter was doing a good job because everything's like, <laughs> we don't know exactly. <laughs> All right. But maybe he was taking the accounts of like, maybe he had been drinking at the bar back. before. Yeah, who <laughs> that's knows? why he was there. But if anything, it really sparked a revolution. For and sure. then we go into the, uh, a gay pride, the gay pride rally. Yes. Can I say um, one more thing though, oh, yes. about this that I really like? Please. So the last part of this like history or this like lore is that the riot culminated in a rocket style kick line of drag queens facing down tactical police in riot gear which sounds like mm. no way that actually is true <laughs> I love there's it. like I like love that so much that just in pure defiance and and in and in this sort of sense of like this is a this is who we are bitches there was a <laughs> line of of you know drag queens in a rocket line singing there was a song it was like we are the stonewall girls we wear our hair and curls we wear no underwear we show our pubic hair right at the police mm. <laughs> and like what a what a great i mean it's not like fuck the police you know which is also an you know an appropriate thing to say to the police sometimes but like i just love that it was like we are fighting you with joy we're fighting right. you with fun you know something fun and being like just let us be who we are mm-hmm well, so then in 19, a year later, 1970, there was the um, the Gay Pride Parade, which actually I have a question to you and to everybody. So I've actually heard, like, we say Gay Pride Parade, but the first Gay Pride was in celebration of Stonewall, but mm-hmm. it was more of like a protest march or like a, a rally rather than a parade. So I just think it's interesting that like, you know, now, now it's like, I mean, I love, I would go to gay pride every you know every year um but 
I just think it's an interesting thing that like it's now a parade and like, you know, but and I think it was the same thing then maybe for the first, but I think that they did not call it parade. Yeah, I, I don't could know. be corrected. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know if they called it a parade or not. I did see pictures of the first one, and it was it looked very much more more like a a celebratory like a march. march. Like it wasn't uh, like a I mean protest in the sense that it was like we're remembering this. Uh, there was speeches like in a protest that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And certainly I was and I I read something about this either this past year or a couple of years ago about specifically the gay pride parade and how it's been so like inundated with um, number one inundated with like corporate sponsorship, which is like the opposite of what it should be, because like. No, there was no corporate sponsorship for or gay allies and corporations when this these things started, you know. Mm-hmm. So now to for the have them come and like kind of co-opt the parade for them to advertise in. It's like mm. gross. Like, yeah. So and there's people that and I guess like I'm sure that they give money for these things so that we can have like a big parade. But um, there's a, there are definitely some people that are like, stop it. Like, who you know, whoever's organizing the parades, there's people that are kind of unhappy with how that's going down. And then the other part that I, I cannot I do not have an opinion about this because I cannot really. But I know some people are a little upset with like that. It's sort of they would say devolved into like, you know, men in like little underpants versus like people like remembering why they were there in the first place like the um the marching for their rights Mm. but I also kind of feel like in terms of that issue like if it's if it's a way to celebrate then there's nothing wrong with that right I think also the drinking and the partying aspect is a little bit like people don't love that The, the activists don't always love that aspect of the parade and that like you know cis people come and they're like and and, and uh, heterosexual people come and then they just get it's like an excuse to get wasted on the street. It's like that is that celebrating right. gay rights right. like, you know, so I think that we do have to be careful, um, especially as like non-gay people. Yes. That yes. we're respectful and like, you know, should we even be participating in that parade? And is it a parade? Like, what is that? Yeah, I think you make right. a good point. <laughs> good yeah. Question. No, I, Maybe I think other about people this. have thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I did not know this, but I learned that, um, you know, at the first gay pride march, they actually, the organizers said that they did not want drag queens involved because it would take away from the movement because people wanted to get their pictures taken with the drag queens. Which is actually an interesting thing, what we're just talking about with the current. uh, Right. Right. You know, it's still kind of an issue. So I don't know. Right. So so they actually, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were told to like, you can't be a part of this. And so... I guess that they the story goes that they were like in the back of the line and then they were like, well, fuck this. And then they got to the very front of the line before the the march began. And there's actually pictures of this, of them marching in front of the the march, um, which is pretty fucking bad. That's great. And I think and I think important and probably why they wanted to push their way forward. Like I was saying earlier, like you have to have those visual cues for the kids that look like you yes. you know what I mean? you know so like yes. it's it's important that they push their way to the front to be like we are a part of this too and that is a thing that is mm-hmm. also very interesting but how marginalized the transgender people have been in the lgbtq fights for equality yeah and for you know civil rights yeah it was interesting to see that so i from what i gleaned um 
Sylvia Rivera was very active in the like in the gay rights movement at first. And then I think there was one moment, maybe the third or fourth anniversary of Stonewall at the march. They didn't allow her to speak. They were like, you're not going to be able to do a speech because they were trying to like push trans people out of the conversation because they said that it made gay people look bad, which Mm -hmm. is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she took the mic anyway, and she that's like her most famous speech where she was just try- kind of angrily kind of riling people up, trying to get them, you know, motivated. Mm-hmm. But I, it, I think it was sort of some people were into it. Some people were not so into it. And then she kind of stopped fighting for yeah. those rights. She, she was left. like, you know, fuck this. If, if people are not going to fight for my rights, why am I fighting, you know, for them to mm-hmm. be free, but not me, you know? And to be chewed up and spit out like that is, again, like, we're learning that that happens in America so much. <laughs> and it happens I mean, in around the world, but marginalized groups, right? Yes. That's the other thing that's so frustrating. It's like you have a marginalized group like the gay community, and then within that community, they're marginalizing people even more. Mm-hmm. We see it when the in feminism. We have, mm-hmm. like, a marginalized group of, you know, women, right? But then white women historically marginalize women of color within the within the fight so what is that you know we it's like you there's always there's this little urge in some people that it's like oh we have to we're been we're being oppressed so we have to oppress other people (laughs) you know we'd think that like oh we're being oppressed we should be able to see oppression in others and and stand up for them but it's funny how the humans don't do that (laughs) the humans (laughs) did i just reveal that i'm an alien i think i just revealed i'm an alien oops i'm sorry I am also, I am human too, me human. Uh, well, uh, so Marsha P. Johnson did contract AIDS. Um, she was shot by a taxi driver who was trying to solicit sex and then didn't want to pay her. Uh, he shot her. Um, and then, um, sadly, her body was found in the Hudson River. And the police deemed it a suicide. Yeah, and they just didn't and want to look into it at all, right? Yeah, and everybody, you know, all of her friends, they all said that, that that it would never be a suicide. It was obviously a murder. There was a guy touting around town that he had killed a drag queen named Marsha. Oh, um, but the police... You, I mean, how I obvious can it be? And then... I know, right. But they actually, in 2012, I believe, they, um, uh, an activist got the NYPD to open the case up again just to look at it as a homicide and then i believe in 2016 victoria cruz of the anti-violence project also tried to get johnson's case opened again succeeded in gaining access to previously unreleased documents and witnesses statements but it's still i mean was anyone ever convicted though or no no Hmm. no nope it's just so it's it's very tragic it's just an extremely tragic story for her because yeah. she really, Andy Warhol took pictures of Marsha P. Johnson at one point. Um, she couldn't afford glamorous clothes because she was homeless, as we all know. But she was able to get free flowers from the flower district in New York. And so she was known for walking around town wearing flowers, which is just such a beautiful image so of someone lovely, who's like yeah. fighting for other people's livelihood and for your own like you said earlier like for her their own lives and right right yeah so that was a in this little funny documentary i watched uh, um about sylvia they there's a guy that talks about um 
her and so she kind of had a little bit of a renaissance and she kind of she started getting into her drinking more she lost her home she that's when she started living in the piers and was kind of back on the street and she when she talks about it she's like well you know I I found myself back there and but it was okay I felt like I should be there because I could help people like in the trenches and she's still always helping people even Mm -hmm. when she was at very low points but was not so much active in the activism side of it so much but then so she she was able to find a little bit of a job with somebody who um, hired her to work at the store. And he says, I thought like she was going to last like a day. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. this person, is she really a working kind of person? Why is she on the street? Is she really a working type person? He said she was amazing. She was an incredible employee, just mm-hmm. very, very good at the job. Uh, and it was like in a store. So she would just fix things up and then sell things and was just very good at it. So he was very pleasantly surprised by that. And then it seemed like she was starting to kind of get herself together a little bit she went um started going to church and then uh volunteering at the church in the food bank and she was so good at it that they uh when the food bank like organizer left that job the church immediately hired her so then she had Mm -hmm. like another little bit of a job there she was able to move in with a friend um and have a home again so she wasn't living on the streets anymore and then she met um sort of throughout that was able to meet um another trans woman and they fell in love and had Mm -hmm. they were lovers and you know had a lovely relationship and they said that that was the thing that kind of got her back into her activism she could stop drinking she and they said when she wasn't drinking she was just like a powerhouse just Mm -hmm. full of fire and Mm -hmm. and energy and on her deathbed like in the hospital she died of cancer of liver cancer um in saint vincent's hospital but in like in the hospital she was still fighting she was meeting with um organizers and fighting for trans rights within the gay rights fight Mm -hmm. and i just was like that's incredible i know (laughs) on her deathbed yeah yeah I mean, we are not worthy. No, we're what not are we worthy. doing? We're not what worthy. are we doing with our time? I know. I know. It's I, really, yeah. these, we have, we're blessed with these people in our history that just change the trajectory for humans everywhere. Yeah. And these are two, two slivers yeah. of it um, in, in, you know, in this Life. Yeah. Some and I think life. like what you were saying too, I just want to touch back on this idea that like they had nothing to lose so that they mm-hmm. could be more vocal. Why would you want to cut that kind of a force out of your um, fight? Mm. You know, why would you why would you want to cut out the people that can make the most difference? Because they have nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to marginalize that? Why not amplify those voices? And we see that again. Like I said, we see that again and again in lots of different ways. But I think that if anything, we should be embracing the people that can help us the most. Because if we, you know, why? Why wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. And I just want to state, I do believe that uh, trans murders are on the rise. Um mm. I can't I don't I can't remember the exact amount last year, but I think it was close to 30, which was more than I mean, it's it's rising, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying um, for it to be where we are in history now that like it's, you know, I think that we would learn. Well, I wonder if it's rising because it's becoming more accepted generally and more people are coming out as trans and um going through you know whatever whatever transitions they need to do and there's just a little bit more open about it and I know that you know even on dating sites and stuff now it's there's people that say right away like I'm trans 
you know, so you can mm-hmm. say, oh, yes, let's go on a date or not. Let's not go on a date or whatever. I wonder if some of the murders are happening more because there's just more it's more visible in a way mm-hmm. and it freaks people out as it, it should not do that. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't freak people out. But there I think there's so that's like the pushback to people. I mean, this is why people um, are afraid to come out, you know, and yeah. afraid to be living and walking on the streets and being people, you know, being mm-hmm. themselves because people freak out and um, commit crimes like that. Right. And I, I think that part of it is just this like not, you know, misunderstanding. It's all this rhetoric too around like bathrooms, like the bathroom bills. Oh. It's like, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? There's we have politicians in office, blue and red, who are like man, you know, molesting women left and right, not in a bathroom. (laughs) And that's you know we're we're trying to deal with that. There's no nothing's happening in a bathroom. Nothing is nothing has ever happened to me in a woman's bathroom, unless maybe some heterosexual man went running in there touching people, but it wouldn't be because of like you know. Because right. like because Giuliani came in, and then I'd be like, oh god, or like <laughs> Cuomo, I'd be like, oh my god, get Cuomo, out of here, get out of here. That yeah. would be terrifying to me, right? But it's right. like, but this like rhetoric around that kind of stuff, like that will cause people to be violent. It's you know, like and, and with anything, with the even with the you know the rise rise in violence against Asian people right now, right? Because there's a rhetoric that's like, oh, the Asian flu and blah. It's like people f- freak out about n- nothing, right? Right? Stupidity. It's re- it really is stupidity and it's again lack of critical thinking and lack of just sort of like mob mentality mm-hmm. and fear totally fear based. Mm-hmm. Also like what what why how does any of this affect your life? Right. If you're a person that was like I'm going to go murder a trans person today. Why? Right. What is what how does that person just being who they want to be not need to be, who they are, not want to be. They're being who they are. How is that hurting you? Right. I don't understand that. Yeah. There's just too much of um I know more I know better than you. I know what you should do. I know what you yeah. should do with your body. I know what you, you know, it's just And too we much. see and a it's lot privilege. of that, right? Elitism, yeah. it's yeah, it's just and it's a, a lot of white people. Yeah. So, and I mean certainly as disgusting. women, we experience that all the time in this country, which is like men telling us what we should be doing with our bodies. So mm-hmm. we can relate to that fight, you know. So I think, you know, that that like I was saying earlier, that I think that if anything, I hope this episode inspires feminist women to make sure that they're fighting for trans rights and trans women's rights, but also just trans men's rights, too, because Mm -hmm. we're all fighting the same battle. We're fighting people trying to tell us what we can and cannot do with our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's the same fight. Exactly. So happy uh, Women's History Month. I yeah. hope you learned something. Um, and we really hope that you take it upon yourselves to educate even further. You know, like, we, you know, we're not historians. Yeah, just Google we're, a little. That's what we do. We don't Google really know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's fine. You know, but There's always this, more to find. This stuff really matters. It really, really, really matters to educate yourself on these things. This is history. This is where we've come from. And this is where we're going. And we have got to do better. We just have to do fucking better. I was so angry at Reese Witherspoon this week. That what'd she do? See you next Tuesday. I don't like her. Oh, I totally missed this. Hot take. My my head's been in the my ass. What's where? What happened? Hot take. She went to Hattie B's hot chicken. She didn't go to the original black owned business. Prince's 
or Bolton's here in Nashville. She made a stupid video about it. And that, she makes me so angry. <laughs> I know this is a hot topic. Did people just call kidding, her out not. or was it just something you... Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Oh. The comments on her Instagram is like, shame on you. But I trolled her hard because this woman, <laughs> tro- she, she's, she grew up in Nashville. She left at a very young age to go to Los Angeles. And now she's capitalizing on the fact that she's from Nashville, but she like hasn't even been here. She has a stupid store that sells way overpriced shit. Her cookbook is almost racist. Like, don't even get me started on Reese Witherspoon. Do better, bitch. That's sort of how I feel about Taylor <laughs> Swift, by the way. But I know you do. It's fine. Uh, it's the fine. welcome New York and the Nashville. She's like, I, I'm from New York. I'm from Nashville. I'm like, you're from Pennsylvania. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> anyway, I love that it's divulged into hating on Reese Witherspoon and Taylor Swift. But you it's know fine. what? They should we got, do better. We gotta get our we gotta get our hate out somewhere. We should probably we pick got- someone else. How about Cuomo and uh, Giuliani? Let's pick. Yeah, them they, suck, they, they suck. They suck. Even they more. suck big dicks. They suck big dicks. Okay, uh, great. Happy Women's right, History Anyway, month. yes, happy <gasps> Women's History. 